My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. You know, we are continuing our journey through the Lord's Prayer, our Father here, and uh, it's an exciting one um, for me because it kind of brings me back to my roots. Uh, I grew up within the church. Um, I went to church every single weekday there for a season uh, because it was my only way to school. And so I had to get in the car and ride a mile down the road with my grandpa, and we'd go to mass together, and it was a 30-minute mass at the, uh, that the church would put on, and, uh, and then after that, I would go to school. So growing up in the Catholic faith, that was kind of my uh, background, and so I would actually uh, recite this prayer a lot at the time, but uh, kind of one of the ways that I would get through church at that age, because you're just trying to get through church when you're young, is uh, I would just kind of daydream, you know, like kind of daydream my way through it. And uh, it took me, I'm not going to say I shed the bad habit or got rid of it right away, but uh, one of my teachers at the time brought up to me that like she was talking about church and the purpose. It's like, you're not supposed to daydream through it. And that was kind of like my, that was a conviction moment as a young lad. Um, and so, but as I, as I kind of look back, you know, as, as a season of my life where I would grow up reciting this prayer and saying these words and not really understanding the power behind the words that we're talking about today. And it's kind of a reminder to me that God will get the gospel to you. Like, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done or what you're going to do, God will get the gospel to you. He will get it to you. I promise you that. He will get it to you, and then he will transform you. Because that's what the gospel does. Because we have a longing in our heart for the gospel. Like, we need it. That's what we need. We were created for it, that we want that. And so when that gets presented to us, when that gospel gets into us, our life starts to be transformed. And so I'm just living proof of that. Many people in this room are living proof of that, that it doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what you've grown up with as a background, it does not matter. The gospel will get to you and it will transform you and then God will get it through you. And so it's such a, such a beautiful process. Um, I'm super excited about this today. We're going to continue in Matthew 6. So I hope you brought your Bible today. If not, don't worry. we got the wall Bible up here. And so we're going to read this together. If you join me there, Matthew 6, verse 5. And it says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that it is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. When your father who sees everything will reward you. 
When you pray, don't babble on as, on as the people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So it says, pray like this. And so just like we did last week, if you were here, I'm going to invite you into this together because I don't think this is about me. I don't think this is just about you. I think this is about us. And so I want to invite you in to say this, the Lord's Prayer with us um, and that we are praising God for who he is, but we are asking for his kingdom and for his will to be done here on earth because that's what we all want and that's what we all desire, whether we know that or not right now. And so I'm going to invite you in. Say it with me. I will lead you through uh, the first few words, but join me with this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation that risks from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I've been married for three and a half years now, roughly, um, to my wife, Annie. And I'm good at math, so I can tell you four years ago I wasn't married. <laughs> and so four years ago, roughly, I mean, just beyond that, was the date of June 8th, 2014. And that was the day we got engaged. And I've shared that story up on the stage before, uh, talked about it, but I really shared it a lot more from my perspective then, not as much a her perspective. And so we were kind of having a conversation about it yesterday and talking about it and what was going into it and all these things. And so the night before June 8th, June 7th, it was a Saturday night, we're sitting there and we're, we're having a conversation and it's one of those moments, it's a very personal conversation, we're talking about this, she's asking, we have been dating for a long time and let me tell you something, I was... Uh, Man, I'm trying to say this in the nicest way. I was delaying too much, all right? I needed to forget, get it together and just ask her to marry me, all right? I was, I was too scared. I had all these doubts. I wasn't ready, you know, all these good excuses and all this stuff. And I just needed to get it together. So her asking me to, like, when, is, when are we going to get engaged in that conversation that night was totally justified because I was just like, get with it, Taylor. So for all the guys in the room, get it together, don't say I didn't give you anything to take home today. <laughs> and so we're having this conversation and we're talking and she's like, you know, when are we going to get engaged? And little did she know in that moment that I already had the ring in my parents' safe at that time. I'm living at home, saving money. All right. It's okay. It's a good thing sometimes. Um, and so I'm, we're having this conversation and we're going back and forth and I basically kind of give her a response. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was along the lines of like, Hey, like in six months, cause I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to delay it. You know, I'm just trying to get her past cause I want it to be a surprise. I'm not this like romantic, but I, I kind of have, you know, a little bit of it. So I want to make it a surprise. I want to, I want it to be us. I want it to be something special and catch her off guard. And so I tell her six months with her not knowing that basically the next day I was about ready to do it. But in that moment, she was kind of like, oh, well, then it's not going to happen anytime soon, you know? And so she, she wants to know when, and I kind of gave her this like, well, I, eventually kind of response. And uh, that eventually led to something I'd hear about to this day. And so <laughs> obviously we're still having conversations about it yesterday. Uh, I'm helping you out guys. I'm telling you. Um, and so basically, uh, 
we, we kind of get together the next day. We're going to go and ride the four-wheeler up to this property behind my parents' house, and I'm gonna, we're going to take the dogs with us, and I'm going to get down on one knee, and I'm going to propose to her. That's the plan. And so basically, uh, I kind of catch her off guard so much that she wears uh, yoga pants and a neon shirt to go out in the woods. And, you know, like me, I'm like, this is cool. This is awesome. We're going up in the woods. I don't think twice about it. I'm wearing a green shirt and some cargo pants. I mean, we're going up. We're going to go hang out. We're going to have a moment. I'm scared out of my mind, nervous. I can barely get through the day. And she's wearing a neon shirt. I didn't know this was a big deal until after the fact. And so apparently there's these, like, this thing called like Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all these things. And, you know, they kind of put the expectation up here. And, uh, you know, when you get engaged, if it's not on Facebook, it's not official. Like, I don't care what the ring says. I don't care what the state of Oregon says. It's not official. All right. And so, um, and so basically, uh, the neon shirt was not the correct shirt to wear for Facebook. Girls are going, yeah. Women in the room, yeah. Guys are like, what? What? <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm still hearing about it to this day. <laughs> and uh, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, and so basically I caught her off guard. And she wanted to know when, right? She wants to know when it's going to happen. And I kind of get her like, eh, eventually, like six months, like, and, uh, and that's kind of how I think a lot of us approach the kingdom of God. We want to know when. We want to know when it's going to come. And so as we enter this petition today, the second petition of the Lord's Prayer says, may your kingdom come soon. And we're like, well, well when? When's it going to come? And Jesus says, you need to pray, may the kingdom come soon. And we want to know When? And so kind of kind of how this goes though since we don't know when it's going to come what we start to do is we start to drift in our walk. We start to drift in the way that we follow Jesus. We start to drift and wander away from the cross. And what I mean by this is this is kind of how it goes. Uh, the Oregon summers here. And I like the Oregon summer. I love the Oregon summer. Sign me up for the Oregon summer. Um but what happens is if you're like me, you go to the beach this week. You go spend the week, the fourth at the beach. All of a sudden, you've got a camping trip next weekend. Then you've got a dinner with friends in the week in between. And then all of a sudden, you've got another trip planned. And you're coming back. And then you've got another trip. And then you're going here. And you're vacationing with the family for the summer here. And you've got all this stuff planned. And all of a sudden, you get to the end of summer. And you're like, what? where did summer go? Where did it go? And you were so busy. And you were so much doing all this other stuff, pursuing all these things, doing all these great things. That summer just flew by. But really, what sometimes we're doing with that time, sometimes what we're, we're doing is we're building our own kingdom. We start building what we think is going to fulfill our desires. We start building what we think is what we need. What we need to get away. We need to be with our family. We need to do all these things. And we start building what we think is going to bring purpose and what's going to bring us so much fulfillment at the end of the day. Only to get to the end of summer and go, where did it go? And then all of a sudden, the year goes by, and we go, where did it go? And then all of a sudden, years have gone by, and we go, where did it go? And then all of a sudden, we're looking back amongst decades, and we're going, where did it go? Where did it go? What did I do? 
And what we've done and what we're trained to do is that since we don't know when, we start building our own kingdom and we start putting the money and we start buying the dream house and we start putting together the five-year plan and we start making this castle for ourselves. We start building this mansion as if everything in there is going to give us purpose, as if the new car is going to give us all the frills that we need, as if that new gun is going to be the best thing ever. As if that trip with the family is really going to bring so much close personal time. As if we are just going to keep pursuing different things and different avenues and different hobbies and different things that are going to bring us purpose. But they're not. Because we keep going back to them. We keep trying to find something else because eventually we just we drift one hobby over for another hobby. Because we don't have time for that hobby. So we create a new hobby. And we start going after things that we think we want. We start building this kingdom. And so then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, may your kingdom come soon. He's like, pray like this. Pray like this. And we get to it like, oh yeah, we want the kingdom to come. But then we get to soon and we're like, whoa, hang on a second. Hold the phone. Because you know what? If you're like me and if we're vulnerable and if we're honest, I went on a three and a, three and a half week trip to Europe. On April 11th, I left and I came back on May 5th. And when do you think I wanted the kingdom to come? May 6th. I'm serious. I had a three and a half weeks with my wife traveling Europe. You think I want the kingdom to come? I'm like, May 6th. Maybe on the flight back it could come. Not a day sooner. It's true. And some of us are like, we're ready for it to come. Like, we all are. We all go through seasons, and we all go through moments, circumstances, situations, and they've been just heartbreak for us. And we have seen what sin does, and we have seen what depravity of this world is all about, and we've been hurt, and we have lost relationships, and we have seen so much go the other way that we are ready for the kingdom to come soon. We're like, not soon, but now. And some of you in the room are there, and you've lost loved ones, and you've been living a lifetime, you've been living months, you've been living days, and you're like, just come now. I'm ready for this kingdom, this moment where there's no more tears and no more pain and that we are in this full realization of the heavenly father and embracing him and with him forever and all of eternity, that there's no divide anymore. That's what you're ready for. And I think we're all ready for that. I think we all have circumstances. All of us have circumstances that cause heartbreak, that cause issues. But what I tend to notice is that in some of those circumstances, I'm not saying necessarily that's yours, but sometimes all we do is we lose something and we put our purpose somewhere else after that. And things get better. They're like, oh yeah, it's so good. All of a sudden, God is so good. And all we've done is misplaced our purpose. We've come out of that season. We've come out of that heartbreak. We've come out of that loss. We've come out of that diagnosis. We've come out and we have put our purpose somewhere else. And I'm not saying that I'm doubting your faith or I'm doubting anything about your walk. But what I'm saying is that your purpose has been misplaced. Because at moments we want to build our own kingdom. And this is how I know this because you know why? Go get beyond the Europe trip. I got Amazon Prime. And you know how great Amazon Prime is? Is that you get to sit there and you order it and in two days it's going to be right at my doorstep. 
It's going to be right there. And I get all excited. I'm like, I order it. I'm so excited. I click it. It's going to be here in two days. And it comes. And I'm like one of those guys who likes to track the package as it comes. I'm like, cool. It just left Lexington, Kentucky. It's in Hood River. It's going to be here tomorrow. You know what? The, you, you know, my mailman typically arrives right around 1 p.m., maybe 1.30 Maybe I can get home in time to greet him. No, I don't think that. <laughs> but I get so excited about it. And then I open up the box and it's exactly what I ordered. I already know what's coming and I'm so excited for it. It's already there. I'm like, yes. And I'm so excited. I get excited and then I order another package. And I'm like, yes. And that's what we do. We get excited about little thrills and little things that are so meaningless and are only going to break so we have to order it again and that's what we do we just put our purpose we put our passions we put our pursuit into things that are not eternal and I'm just being real and I'm just being honest and I think we're all there to some degree no matter what season you're in no matter what your circumstances are is that you will have the tendency when given the op- the option to drift and sometimes what we do is we drift away from our family because we don't know when the kingdom's coming And so we'll drift away from them, and we'll find purpose elsewhere. And sometimes we'll drift into another marriage, and sometimes we'll drift into pornography, and sometimes we'll drift into alcohol as if that's going to fulfill, and we'll drift, and we continue to just drift into things where they think we're going to be fulfilled, only to know that we have to continue to go back to it to find any purpose, because it's an empty well. And then all of a sudden, we keep drifting, and we drift, and we're wondering, how the heck did I get here? And then some of us so much drift, we grew up in the faith, we understand the faith, but so much time has gone on, so much time has passed, that we're like, so much, we've experienced so much sin, we've experienced so much brokenness, in the sense of, I've tried God, and I don't want it anymore. I got no business, I, I don't need God. I've tried him. I've seen the followers. I've seen what they're like. I know this. It's like, I, I don't got any business with that. I don't need that. There's nothing for me there. Why would he allow this to happen to me? Why would he allow this to go on in my life? Why, 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 why? And so we drift right out of our faith. And we drift right out of what we believe. Because we don't know when. But here's the reality is that the win is the wrong question. The win is the wrong question. Because Jesus comes on the scene. He comes on in, in Mark 1 and he's going, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. He's, he's saying something to us here. That the kingdom of God near soon. It's like all oh, this language. It's like, can you just be straight with us? He's saying the kingdom is approaching. The kingdom is slowly being revealed. That actually when Jesus shows up on the scene, he's telling us that the arrival of the kingdom has happened. That the kingdom is being ushered in by his arrival. And he says, this is how I'm showing it to you. You see the blind? They're seeing now. You see the hopeless? They're finding hope. You see the lost? They're getting found. The kingdom is being ushered in. It's starting to be revealed. I'm showing you what the kingdom is like. I'm showing you. We talked last week how Jesus shows us what the Father's like. But not only does he show us what the Father's like, he shows us what the kingdom is like. He shows, them, shows us what we're supposed to be excited about. 
what it's really supposed to look like. And so we live in this idea that the kingdom is now, but then most of us are in this win of not yet. And so what I mean by this is this not yet is the day that Christ comes, right? Or that we have the second coming, that we all talk about the apocalypse, the end times, where there's no more sin, and there's no more tears, and that we are fully reveling with God. His full revelation as king has come to earth. That's what we're waiting for. And that's what we keep talking about. That's what people put billboards on the side of the road for back in 2012 that can't get their money back. That's, 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 we're in between. And so we're sitting here, and we have this not yet, because that day is coming, it's being, it's approaching us, but then we also have the now. And so we're somewhere in this tension of in between. We're like, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? Because I'm focused on this, but you're saying it's now. You're saying I have access now, but it's, it's not yet. And sometimes I think we kind of get lost in that. We can get lost in the theology of that. We can get lost in the idea of that. We can get lost in waiting for that. And so we're just going to sit back and just kind of see how it all unfolds. And so really, what we see though is Jesus going, he kind of approaches the Pharisees in the same way. And he talks to them and he says, hey, I got something for you. And we see this in Luke 17. He says, now when he was asked about the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, let me propose something to you. The Pharisees are just like us. When? When? When is it coming? That, that's their question. That's where they're really, that's where their focus is. And Jesus goes, hey, hang on a second. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here, see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And so what I want you to really kind of focus on is this word observation. If you've been around the sports world before, and you, you hear a coach's talk, or maybe you've seen things and all that, they say, don't be a spectator. Don't be a spectator. And what they're saying by that, what they're meaning by that, is this idea that just don't sit back and watch the game go on. You may be on the field, you may be not have the ball, but you have a job to do. There's a screen to set, there's a position to back up, there's different places to be on the field. Don't be a spectator, don't just watch the game. Otherwise, you lose the NBA Finals if you're the Cavaliers. <laughs> Don't be a spectator. Don't be that guy. And so Jesus is saying the same thing to us when it comes to the kingdom work. He's like, "Don't be a spectator. You know why? Don't sit back and watch it. Don't sit back here and watch. Because guess what? The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. It's within you." That you, know, you don't need to focus on when. You don't need to get all caught in that stuff and worry about all that stuff. You need to focus on this idea that the kingdom is within you. That before the kingdom can come to earth, before it can invade earth, that the kingdom needs to come inside of you. That it needs to be revealed to you. That this slow revealing process of the kingdom from now to the not yet, that we're slowly seeing glimpses of it when the lost are found and when the hope find hope, hopeless have find hope. When we see that happen, we're seeing the kingdom being revealed. We're seeing it slowly, the veil being pulled back. And Jesus is saying to us, he's like, you're a part of that. You're a part of that. Because the kingdom is within you. Because as we look at the cross, when we look at what happened there, we see that Jesus Christ goes to the cross, dies for the sins of the world. Three days later, he rises from the grave. 
It's the spirit of God that raises him from the grave. And that same spirit is what comes and dwells inside of us when we believe in that act, when we believe in that blood that was shed for us. That same spirit comes and fills inside of us. And so therefore, when we believe in that and when we trust in that, then all of a sudden we are called to be a part of that. We are called to be a part of the kingdom revealing process. We are called to be helping lift the veil. And so we are called to our neighbors. We are called to our community. We are called to the church. We are called to go and open up the veil, be a part of the, the revealing process of it. But what happens, a lot of us, is we want to be observers. We want to be spectators. Because it's easy there. Because you can build your own kingdom there. Because you can make it about you there. And so what happens in this process we have is we call it the discipleship process at Sunrise Church. And all we're meaning is that we are helping you become a follower of Christ that will eventually go and make another follower, another disciple, a learner of Christ. And so what happens is we have this stage at Connect where it's come and see. And then we have this, and, and we have this next stage, this grow. And it's like, come and grow. And so you're just going to come and see what Jesus is about here. That's all you're doing. Come to church. Just come find out. Come a second time. Give it a second chance. Give it a third chance. Give it a fourth chance. Give that friend of yours who's a believer another chance. Come and see. And then all of a sudden, what happens in that stage is that our hearts are attracted to the gospel message. We come in and we long for it. Believe it or not, there is a deepness inside of you that was made for the gospel message. You were made for it. You desire it above all else. You need that. You're created in the image of God. And you want that beyond, beyond anything else in this life. No matter what this world brings, no matter what's going on, no matter what you think you want, no matter what you think you need, when you hear that gospel message, there's something inside of you that says, I want that. And so all of a sudden, you, you surrender your life to Christ at Connect, and you say, I believe in it. I believe in, the, I believe in the blood of Christ. I believe that that death was for me, my past, present, future sins. And all of a sudden, you get in this stage where you start growing in your relationship with Christ. You start growing. You start asking questions. You start asking the questions that you think are dumb, but they're not dumb because they're real, because that's where you're at. We all ask them. And you start plugging into a small group, and you start finding out more about who Jesus is and what he's come to do in your life. You start finding out what your purpose is. And all of a sudden, you have this next step that you'll eventually cross into, which is serve. And we say, it's come and die. That's how he invited his disciples, to come and die. To lay down your lives, to lay down your purpose. And then all of a sudden, we have this lead that is this idea that go and make that you're going to go and make disciples. And what happens, though, I, I tend to notice is that there's a lot of people who sit right here. And they come in and they connect and they connect and they connect. And they're too afraid to kind of plug in and to get involved and to do all this because you know what they see? They see that lead down there. They see that way down the track and they're like, ah, no. No. I don't want that. Because it's the same with me. I came in and I was like, Man, if you become like a good follower of Christ, don't you have to go to like the jungle and like surrender your life and like live on nothing and do all this stuff and live on the bare minimums and all this stuff? And that's why I was like, I was afraid to follow Jesus. I mean, I'm being serious with you. That's where we're at. That's why like we're afraid because that's where we think we're going to be called to. And here's what I come to know about knowing God is that he has given you desires godly desires, and as you seek his will, as you seek him in his life, you actually, this starts to align with his, that he gives you new ones. And so eventually, it's like I find myself in Cuba this last March, so I ended up there regardless of what I was afraid of. And, but I wanted to go. Like, that was the thing. I wanted to go, but I wasn't there three years ago. 
And so what I like to tell my youth and what we've been talking about is this idea that, you know, Jesus meets his disciples right where they're at. He doesn't start them with lead. He doesn't come down here with this. He actually comes all the way down here and he's like, hey, just come and see. Just come and check out what I'm doing. Come and follow me. Just come and see what this is all about. Just, just follow me because he knows that if he gets the gospel into him, he can get it through him. And so all of a sudden, he's like, hey, they're following him and they're all of a sudden believing he's the real deal. This isn't just it. And, then, and so all of a sudden they're growing. And he's putting them in growing environments where they're stretched and they're grown and they're taking leaps and bounds. And so what I like to think is that God does not call us to lead right away. God does not call us to this come and die right away. He doesn't bring us all the way down here. He starts us off here. He starts us right here. And it's just, this, it's just a step. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We're not asking you to go live in the jungle. We're asking you to just come and see. Come and try it out. Come and see that your heart desires the gospel message. It doesn't happen overnight. And I ask you to do that because eventually he brings his disciples to the point they grow and then they go and they serve and then they go and make. But eventually, you know what they really go and do? They lay down their lives for the gospel message and people see that and it gets them scared over at Connect. They're like, I don't want to lay down my life for the gospel message. I'm not ready for that. I don't think any of us are ready for it. But I know more often than not that our God is so gentle with us and so loving and so nudging is what I like to call it. That when you come to this moment where the kingdom is within you, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is alive and active in your life, you start all of a sudden start getting nudges and convictions towards things that you never had before. And so what happens is you'll be reading your Bible and you'll go through there and all of a sudden it's like you get through this passage about forgiveness and you'll know what God's calling you to do. He's nudging you to forgive that person. He's nudging you to ask for forgiveness. He's nudging you towards that. It's, just, it's, it's what we like to call the nudge because it's so gentle. He just nudges you. So are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to forgive him? I, I'm gentle. Are you going to nudge him? Are you going to forgive him? Are you going to let it go? And then all of a sudden, we get to another passage. It's like, oh, obedience. And we're reading it. And he's like, are you going to obey? I'm calling you to do this. Are you going to step out and trust me? Are you going to go through with it? Are you going to have the faith to believe I'm on the other side of it? Are you, are you going to? He's nudging us, nudging us. He's so gentle, so gentle. And we like turn the page. And then when we get, and we talk about this moment of having stillness before God. And I know sometimes what I like to do is I just like to get still before God and just try to be quiet and listen and what's going on. He might bring someone to mind. He might bring a person to my mind and he's like, and it might be just as simple as like, just text them. Tell, you, tell, you, tell them you love them. Tell them you care about them. Tell them you're praying for them. Just a, just a person, just a nudge. And it might be nothing more than that. Because maybe they're going through something, maybe they're experiencing something, and all of a sudden that, that's going to make their day. That's going to be that word of encouragement that they need to get through. And then we have nudges in life. We have nudges towards people, like pay for their groceries. Go and serve them. Help that man get out of his car. Open the door for them. And I'm not saying every single 
the conviction you feel is a nudge from the spirit. But what I'm saying is that's ten, that's typically how it shows up. You know, when I was at, we were at Walmart, my wife and I were a couple years ago and we had, there's this lady in front of us and she was paying with something similar to food stamps and she's doing it. She's trying to get it out and she didn't have enough or something. And then eventually she had enough, but I'm sitting there and God's just like, pay for it, pay for it. And there wasn't an unwillingness on my, on my behalf to like, like in the sense of like, oh, it's my money. I don't know. That's not where I was at. I was in the spot where it was like, well, I don't want to offend her. Like I'm like, I'm wrestling this out with God in my mind. I'm like, I don't want to offend her. I don't want her to feel like, you know, I'm better than her. You know, I, I'm wrestling this out. I'm like, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'd like to say I did it, but I didn't. And so then you're like, well, Taylor, how do you know that's God? Because you know why my wife comes up afterwards. We're walking on our way out. She's like, man, I had this nudge that we should like pay for that lady's groceries. I go, me too. And all it was was an opportunity to reveal the kingdom. It was just an opportunity to show the love of God. It was just an opportunity to to pull the veil back. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are when we're talking about connect, grow, serve, and lead. But what I find more than not when it comes to where people are at in this track is they're in connect and they're in grow. And that's where a lot of people hang out. But where people really get stuck is they get stuck in this grow. They get stuck right here. And they come and they come to church and they get in their small group maybe or they're kind of connecting there a little bit. They're hit and miss. They're there. And, and you're plugging in and you're growing and you love it. You're, you're feeding by the gospel. You're getting fed by the gospel. You're, you're excited about that. You want that. But then all of a sudden there's this moment that comes along. And it's this moment that you've got to like, you've got to step into the come and die, the serve. And it's one of the toughest steps because this is where people get stuck. This is where they get stagnant in their faith. This is where that all of a sudden you're like, man, I used to have such great passion for the Lord. And now I don't have it anymore because you're sitting right here. You're not moving forward. If you want to keep your passion, you want to burn like bright fire like for Jesus, then you've got to move forward. You can't sit in your seat. You can't sit there and just keep coming and going. You're not going to grow. You're not really going to take that step. Because this, the reason this is the hardest step to take from grow to serve is because there's this idea that comes in that you have to stop building your kingdom, but you have to start building God's kingdom. And that's the hardest thing because that come and die right here, that come and die means it's not about you anymore. You can't come and just sit in the seat. You can't come and just hear a good message. That actually when God starts speaking and God starts working in your life, you have to obey. You have to go through with it. And when you go through with it, all of a sudden you get to see what's on the other side. You get to see what God really has in in store for you. And you start realizing he's going to start giving you new desires. He's going to start giving you new things that you really want that have to align with the kingdom. That align with what he's doing. You're like, I didn't think I'd want this before, but now I do. I don't actually even want that stuff anymore that I used to want. I don't even want any of that things that I used to find purpose. I actually don't find purpose in it anymore. It's so shallow. It's so not me. And you're over here and you're serving. You're plugged into church maybe. And you're plugged into one of our teams. You're serving. Maybe you're outside the church and you're, you're loving on people. And you're meeting them where they're at. And you're paying for people's groceries at the store. And you're doing things because it's not your money. Because you're stewarding what God has given you. Because everything belongs to God. Because it's his kingdom that's going to invade one day. And so sometimes we get so hyped up on this idea of when the kingdom's coming. That we lose sight that the kingdom has to come within us first. That it has to be revealed in us first. It has to come there. 
And usually what I notice is people get stuck right here and they don't want to take that step because they're unsure if they can trust God. They're learning about him. They're growing in him. They believe he's a good God. But what really takes your faith and makes it real is when you come and die. Man, that'll change you. Because what's on the other side of that is something I can't even explain to you sometimes. It's so real and it's so raw and it's so powerful because you will find your purpose and you will find your calling in that. And everything you were searching for over here, all that stuff that doesn't matter, you'll be like, man, this is so much greater. This is so much sweeter. Because you stop building your kingdom. You stop living for this place. You stop building a house and you start pitching a tent. And so I want to invite the worship team up at this moment. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond because I believe that God is nudging some people in this room towards what he wants to do in their life and where you're at currently in your walk with Christ. And so I believe that some of you are over maybe somewhere in this pathway. And I am, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to, you know, two, two different areas here. And the first one's going to be for salvation. So if you have not surrendered your life, if you have not claimed that, if you, not have, if you have not confessed it with your mouth and believed it in your heart, like it says in Romans 10, 9, you will be saved. You need to do that. This is your opportunity. This is what God is nudging you towards. This is what he wants for your life. He's saying, hey, stop hanging out and connect. Come and grow with me. And so I want to offer an opportunity for that, but I also want to offer an opportunity for some of you that are somewhere in this pathway, somewhere in this area, that God is nudging you towards something. I don't know where that is. Maybe you're all the way down here at lead, and God is nudging you towards making a disciple, bringing someone to Christ. And you know who it is, but every time you're like, open up the Bible, you think like, it's not, you don't think you have the power, but you don't need the power. The gospel has the power. That's what works in people's hearts. You don't need all the right words and eloquent phrases and all these things and knowing all your scripture. Just tell them about the blood. Tell them about the death on the cross. Tell them about the resurrection from the grave. That's all you need. You don't need more than that. Let God do it. Let the gospel do the work of the gospel. And maybe you're at serve and and you're sitting here and you're kind of just getting in the trenches and you don't really know. And God is nudging you towards leading a group, leading somewhere within within your family, within your church. He's, He's nudging you. And if you're at grow, man, we talked. He's nudging you towards that. Come and die. Stop building your kingdom. Come to me. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at, but I'm gonna, the second prayer is going to be for that. That you would just, and we're going we're gonna to raise our hands because I believe that when we raise our hands, we are showing what God is doing on the inside. That, man, there's a, there's a posture of my heart. There's something that you cannot see of where I'm at. And there's moments when I don't want to raise my hand. There's moments when I just want to keep it in my pockets and not worship and do what God is calling me to do. But when I raise my hand, I admit that I'm surrendering to God because it reflects what's happening on the inside. It, re- it reflects that God is nudging me towards him, that he is nudging me into a relationship with him, that he's nudging me towards my next step of growth. And so I'm calling you. I'm asking you to do do that same thing today. And so we're going to have a moment here. We're going to say two prayers and we're going to close up. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And for all, for privacy in the rooms, for some of those that maybe feel awkward about raising your hand, don't, don't let the person next to you decide whether you're going to have a moment with God. So Lord, we, uh, we invite you into the space. First off, we invite you in because we believe in you, God. But there's some of us in the room today that have never committed our lives. We have never surrendered our lives to the cross. We've never sent our lives to your son who gave his life for us. And so I want to invite those in today that maybe have wandered and drifted, maybe never even had a relationship, Lord. And so I want to I invite them in 
to pray this, Lord. So may, may you just pray this with me right now. Lord, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins, past, present, and future. And then I believe he was raised from the grave three days later, and he conquered death. I believe that, and I surrender my life to your lordship. Amen. And if you said that prayer, would you raise your hand right now? If you've never said that, don't let the person around you make that decision for you. If you have not done that, don't let the person around you. This is between you and God. This is a moment. This is what's going on on the inside. Thank you for all of you. You can put your hands down. And then for some of us in the room, there's a, there's a, Lord, there's a spot where we need a, we need you to nudge us towards our next step in this discipleship pathway. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what you're doing in our lives, Willard, but nudge us towards that next step. And so, Lord, that's my prayer for people in this room, Lord. If they know they're in grow, nudge them towards serve, Lord. And if they know it, help them realize that, God, right now. Help them realize that. So if there's some of you in the room today that know that you're like, hey, I've, I've been stagnant for a while. I need, to, I need to move forward in my walk with Christ. I need to be a part of the revealing of the kingdom. Would you raise your hand right now? If that's where you're at, church, there's all of us here. There's many of us in this room maybe that aren't, aren't living that out fully, that need to take that nudge. Thank you so much for where you're at. Thank you for following through. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray over everyone in this room. We got new people in the family today. We got people trying to take steps towards you today and making disciples, Lord, making this kingdom greater, making this kingdom bigger, revealing what you want most, Lord. So I just thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've given us. God, may this not be the end of the week, but may we take this into the week. May we reveal your kingdom this week. We love you, and we know we need you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.